It is my privilege to introduce our speaker for tonight. It is Julie Turner. And in addition to being the full-time worship pastor at Cole Community Church, Julie Turner is a singer, song, songwriter, author, speaker, host of Made for This podcast, and founder of the Engaged Worship and Creative Concert or Conference. Whew. Her desire is that her words, whether written, spoken, or sung, may point people toward a deeper relationship with Christ and a desire to live empowered lives for him. She lives in Eagle, Idaho with her husband, Michael, and is a mom to two amazing now adult sons, Matthew and Andrew. Please help me welcome Julie. Well, hello. Look at all of you. You look so beautiful and festive. It's so good to be here. I'm thrilled to be here. I've been so excited about this. And I just want to say thank you for, I'm at an almost exactly a year from when you graciously allowed me to come here as your worship leader. And thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome as a worship leader, as a friend. I just think this is such a wonderful place to serve, and I'm so thankful. I... Um, I have been so excited to, I love, I love heading into the new year. I am very much a let's like reset in the new year. And so I love the idea of just getting together tonight to challenge each other and link arms and, and help each other head into the new year as well as we possibly can. Have you ever had a moment where you were just so sure that something was one way, but then you found out that you were so wrong about what you thought was happening. So I have to tell you a story. As we're heading into a talk on 2020 vision in 2020, um, I, as she mentioned, I help host a worship conference and we're in the process of trying to be a nonprofit. And so I had to go this fall to, I got assigned the task of, of setting up our nonprofit business checking account, which if anyone has known me for any length of time, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Numbers and me do not get along at all, like even the, the tiniest little bit. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to channel all of my professionalism and all of the people that I know that go do this, like it's no big deal. And so the whole way, I had put this off forever and finally I was like, I just got to go do this. So the whole way to the bank, I'm psyching myself up, trying to think of all the people I know that do this on a regular basis, get myself into the bank, sit in front of the teller and proceed to, you know, I have all my nonprofit documents and I'm trying to represent myself as somebody who's competent enough to even run a nonprofit, which is a stretch anyway. So, and then I had misread the timing of the bank uh, closing hours. And so lo and behold, the time you know, came for the bank to start closing. And so now I've met the person that I'm talking to. And I've also met all of these other bank employees that are now coming by our little desk as we're still working. And they're talking to me and I'm greeting them and saying hi and all of this stuff. So I've now met most of the bank. So I go home from this and I get in my car and I'm thinking, all right, we got pretty far. I did almost all the things. I just had a couple things I have to go get. And I get home and I'm telling my husband, guess what I just did? I like, I put on my big girl pants and I went down and I signed myself up for a business checking account for my nonprofit. And my husband looks at me and he goes, what is on your face? <laughs> And my little heart just sank. So I ran to the mirror, and sure enough, I had chocolate all over my face. I mean, not just dots of chocolate. 
I had eaten a protein bar, and it was September, so it was still warm and had apparently melted. So as I'm doing this, the whole wrapper has gone <laughs> around my face. So I've met the whole bank like this, right? And I cannot tell you how sad I am that I was so mortified in that minute that I just like, as if I could erase it, I just like wiped it off as fast as I could. I would have given anything to have shown you a picture because you can't, you can't even, I know you're not imagining the full scope of chocolate. I know you're not. Because I'm a grown woman. You, I looked like a toddler. But I did search the internet to find the closest thing that I could. All right? That is about a summary. This is not an exaggeration. So I called the guy the next day because I still had a couple things to square up with him. And I called him. I said, you had to own it. Because, I mean, you can't hide that. This is what was, that he was dealing with. So I said, I said, okay. How did you sit there with me for a half hour and not say anything about this? And he goes, well, I kind of thought maybe you had a medical condition. <laughs> so much chocolate. So much chocolate. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, but then I looked at your license picture and you didn't have any of those spots there. So, I don't know. But then I was just kind of over it. Oh, my word. So clearly... What I thought was me representing myself in this professional way was actually chocolate face. So, all that to say, I think that this, um, while this was a very real example of real chocolate, I think we can have a perspective of what's happening in our spiritual life as well. That we can think something's one way, but in reality, just like I thought I was in a bank meeting without chocolate on my face, we can then realize, oh, maybe we've gotten off in our perspective. And so that's what I wanted to, us to talk about tonight, was just the idea of how can we head into 2020 with a clearer picture of how God sees us, of who God is, of how he sees our circumstances, um, because also 2020 and 2020, I just felt like, you know. I actually stole that, but I still think it's pretty clever because I think it can remind us that we need to recenter and, and sometimes identify areas where we may have gone, like even if our dial is at 12 and we just get off a little bit, over time, our perspective can get pretty far off, right? So I want to ask you a question. In a room, this is a big room. How many of you came in tonight? You don't have to raise your hands, but just take a little personal inventory. How many of you walked into this space tonight feeling like, all right, I am secure in who I am in Christ. I am known. I am loved. I'm empowered. And I can just come into this room of 300 women, and I can just be on fire for God and live confidently in who he has gifted me to be. Just think about that, if that's you. Because I think for many of us, that's not necessarily how we walked into this space, right? And yet, if we've chosen to receive Christ as our Savior, that is who we are. We are rooted in him, we're known, we're loved, we are daughters of the king, we're empowered and we're emboldened and we're, we have all of his strength working in us and yet we can enter into spaces like this with a perceived lack and a small view maybe of who God sees us to be. So by contrast, then how many of you, take a personal inventory, again you don't have to raise hands, walk into a space like this and you're thinking, oh my goodness, who am I going to talk to? Are they going to find me interesting? You feel discouraged, depressed, powerless, defeated. 
I wonder if I'm going to be wearing the right thing or saying the right thing. I mean, I think a lot of us, if we're really honest, we come into spaces like this and that's how we feel. We live in this a little bit of a scarcity mindset of rather than living from God's abundance, we can live with a sense of lack. And I think that's just really easy for us as women. And, and, but God has this huge story that he's inviting us into. And so what I want us to do tonight, again, is just is just figure out how can, we, how can we root out some of the things that are keeping us from having God's perspective over our lives. Because emotional and spiritual health won't happen by accident. If we just go on autopilot and set just the default course of our life is not going to be emotional and spiritual health. It just won't. We have to fight for that in our hearts, in our minds. We have to take those things before the Lord, because it's just not going to happen unless we pay attention, right? And so, but before we move on, when I I used the word depressed, I want to make sure I'm not talking tonight about like actual clinical depression or mental illness, those things we need to take before a counselor and before doctors. God's given us those resources and we should use them. I'm just talking about a loss of perspective where we our, our view maybe has gotten a little off, and we don't even know it. That's why it's called blind spots, because we don't even know that we've gotten off. So one of the things that, that I feel like can lead to, the, if you pull at those threads of those big feelings of insecurity and comparison and doubt, if you pull at those threads, I think a lot of times those threads can end up, at least for me, at a misplaced sense of identity. We've, I've let something or someone else become attached to my identity that was never meant to support that weight. Because really our only safe place for our identity and our, and our worth is in Christ alone. That's it. That's the only safe space. And yet we can accidentally let other things take that place in our hearts. For example, if you're feeling perpetually insecure, well, maybe you've accidentally let your identity get all wrapped up into what people think about you rather than who God says you are. Or if you're perpetually afraid, maybe you've let your identity and value get too wrapped up in your stuff and your things and the people that you care about and you want to hold tight and have some control in those spaces. And so you live fearful that those things could rightfully slip through your fingers because they can't because the control is an illusion. We don't actually have, we can't control what's going to happen to us. And why this is such a big topic for me is this has just been something that God has been working and working and working on me um, over the past few years. And, and I just want, when I look out at a room like this, I don't want us to head out in our spaces feeling a sense of lack when we've been given so much by our Creator. And so I want to start with a personal story. So how God started to get my attention on this was... I had this idea, I kept talking to women, including myself, who, again, we had this disconnect of what we knew to be true about God and what we were letting actually sink down deep in our hearts. So, for example, if I know that God is my friend, according to his word, he says he's my friend, and yet I'm feeling perpetually alone, well, then there's a disconnect between what I know to be true about God and what I'm actually allowing him to be in my life and my circumstance. Or if I know he's my strength, but I'm feeling powerless all the time, well, then there's a disconnect. And so my friend and I actually wrote a Bible study called um, He Is, God Is, all of these things. Therefore, as his kid, I am these things. 
And then from there, um, so we'd already been kind of tugging at my heart in these, in these spaces, and then from there, we had been at a church for 12 years. We had found our people there. We raised our babies there. I do not just like tow in the water anywhere. I go all the way in. So I had served my little heart out in that space for all of those years. And so when we felt like God was um, asking us to step aside from that particular church, there was a lot of pain in that for me, and it didn't take me very long to go all the way off the rails. And in a way that it was surprising how much I went off the rails. And, and again, I had to really wrestle through my big feelings with God about this. What is really going on here? For example, we left this church family, and so all of a sudden, I'm without that community and I had to go, my identity is not in my church family. I can like it. I can be really thankful for it. But it's not my identity. And we, we didn't want to share a lot of the reasons why we left, just to be honoring and respectful to the situation. And so there was a lot of misunderstanding. We felt very misunderstood. And there were conversations happening about us that we weren't a part of, but we'd hear about later. And it was mostly based on misunderstanding big feelings about that. I had to pull at those threads and go, what is going on here? My identity is not in what people think of me or being understood. I did not have to chase down and defend myself, even though that's really what I wanted to do. But I realized I had let too much of my identity get wrapped up in that. One of my closest friendships that was involved in that whole situation took a big hit from that whole um, departure and almost knocked the whole thing over and I had to do this with that as well. My identity is not in my friendships. I can love them dearly, but it's not, it doesn't define who I am. And we went to a new church where um, I was largely unknown, and the process for getting involved took a long time, and so I went for a long period of time not really feeling like I was being used in any sort of leadership role or in my gifting. And that's a hard thing for a person who wants to serve and lead more than anything. And so, again, my identity is not in how someone views my contribution of service or my gifts. My health, I have health issues that are exacerbated by stress, and that was clearly stressful. So I had the most unhealthy year I think I've ever had in my entire life that year. My identity is not in my health and my ability to go do the things that I want to do. And so when I had to like hand over one last really important area to the Lord, I fell apart. I mean, all together off the rails, fall apart, could not stop crying, wanted to just tunnel in and not see humans anymore. <laughs> it was just, it was so bad. And I, I, again, it's like, okay, this feels disproportionate. What is really going on here? So God and I spent a lot of time, what is happening in my head and my heart right now? And again, I had to pull back all those threads. And it was like in that moment when I could finally kind of quiet myself before the Lord, it was like he said, who do I say you are? And it just hit me that I had let so many other voices crowd out the one voice that matters. And what God says about me and how he sees me is the only sure foundation for me in my life. And I had let other things become far too attached to my identity for me to be healthy. And so again, just as I look out in this space, it's like, is it possible that I'm not alone in that? right? That there's other people in this room that have experienced similar things where you feel 
those big feelings of doubt, of insecurity, of fear, of comparison, where maybe, possibly, if like me, you pull at those threads long enough, you find maybe, possibly, I've let too much of myself get attached to that. And only God's supposed to have that much weight over my life. So, like me, if you feel yourself constantly comparing yourself to others, you you know, I don't have the family they have, I don't have the background they did, they've been through this and I haven't, if we start to feel that, well, maybe we've let our identity get too wrapped up in that. Or again, if you're feeling um, isolated and alone, well, maybe you haven't attached yourself to God your Father who wants to be in fellowship with you constantly. So tonight, I just think, what if all of us, each one of us, was to take back some ground by the power of the Holy Spirit to identify those areas in our life where maybe we've let something become an unhealthy source of identity and took back some ground on that? How transformative could that be in our spaces, in our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our parenting? If we could live from a place of God's abundance rather than from this perceived lack, or if we could attach ourselves to the one that is, that is our, the safest place for us to put our trust, well, then we wouldn't live so fearful all the time. And so that's, that's my hope. I know we can't just, in you know, this space and time, arrive at 2020 vision. In fact, in this life, as long as we walk this earth, we will not have a perfect, clear picture of God's uh, perspective of us, because it says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we just know in part now. But we can identify some next steps, right, on how we can go a little bit further down that path. But it's not easy. So I thought we could look first at what are the barriers to living that kind of life? Because like I said, it's not the default. We're not just going to coast and be spiritually healthy. So what are some of the barriers that trip us up and get in the way? And I think one of them is that our view of God is too small. And I think I can safely say for 100% of us in this room, including all of our wise pastors and elders, our, our view of God is too small. Our finite minds cannot take him in. He is beyond our comprehension. We will never fully know his majesty and magnitude of his worth on this life in our human minds. We just won't. But, but, we can every single day seek to know him more so that while we are here in this space that we are pressing in as close as we we can and so that we can at least try to fill up our finite minds with more and more and more of who he is so that our view is expanded and we have got to ladies we have got to be in the word every day this is not a legalistic thing this is a survival thing we have got to know him in his word we've got to spend time with him in prayer we have got to know his goodness and his mercy that he wants to lavish on us so that when those rough roads hit we have something to anchor ourselves to right my friend jesse schuster says that we can only worship god to the extent that we know him so ladies, we have got to know him. We've got to carve out space. I don't know what that would look like in your, in your world, but whatever it is that you can do to carve out time to get that word in your bones so that it can be transformative. It's living, it's active. It's what God has given us to sustain us in this life, and we have got to be in it. We've got to know him. Again, not because we have to check off some box. This isn't about rule checking. This is about survival in this life that is hard. So that when tough times hit, we can know 
deep in our bones that God is good. We may not understand what we're going through, but we can know him in the middle of what we're facing. So barrier one, I think that God, our, our view of him is just too small. And I think another barrier is that, again, I touched on it earlier, that we have this illusion that, that we can be in control. <laughs> we would all like to be, I would love to be in control of all the variables. I, it, when you love big, you want to control. You want to hold tight to those things, right? And loving big is a good thing. Holding f- tight fists with our things is not healthy, and it's going to lead us to being fearful and making horrible decisions out of fear rather than standing before the Lord with an open hand. And again, we can stand before him with an open hand with our circumstances in our life if we know that he's good, if we've had time with him, where even in the midst of whatever we're facing, we can say, I can give you this, and I'm okay, and I can't control it. I don't know what's going to happen the next hour, the next day, tomorrow, but I know you're good, and I know you'll be with me. So we've got view of God is too small, illusion of control. I think we can get off on our perspective of our view of ourselves, and I touched on this as well, that that shows up, I think, in comparison. I think our increased comparison culture is killing us from the inside out, and while social media is wonderful, I use it, and it can connect us to people that we don't get to see often, it can also just blast us from morning till night with everyone's highlight reel. And suddenly we are only seeing the very best of the best of the best of everyone else's life, and we're acutely aware of what we are not a part of and what we don't have. It's in our face constantly. And, and, and yet, we're, we're endowed with all of this power by the Holy Spirit to live this abundant life. And when we compare ourselves, it's literally, you've heard this, it's the thief of joy. We, we will not have joy if we're so focused on what is going on in everyone else's space and how God has gifted them, because that's just going to make us turn inward, and it's going to make us miss out on the things that God has for us and the things that he's gifted us to do. Which then, again, I think that also another barrier view of ourselves, also our view of others, because we let that comparison creep in. Evan Wickham um, came and spoke at our worship conference this year, and he talked about this scarcity mindset, and he said, we, we go around as if there's this finite amount of God's grace that he has for everyone, and we've been standing in line to get ours, and we get up to the front of the line, and he's just all out. Everybody else got it. We didn't get it. They got all the, they got all the this, they got all the that, they got all the singing, the writing, they got all the talent, they got everything, and there's nothing left for us. And we can live like that. We can actually convince ourselves that that's true when we begin to compare and stack ourselves up against what we perceive someone else has. And that's just, it's just not true. God has a limitless grace that he lavishes out on us. He has gifting that he has given you specifically, chosen specifically for you, so that that gifting can be used in your spaces that he's put you in, in just the right way that he knows they need to be used. So when we compare, do you see how, I think this is one of the most powerful tools of the enemy in our day, that he's just robbing the the. Christ followers of their service, of their gifts, because we just immediately disqualify ourselves. We think, well, I'll never write like them, so I just may as well not write. God's saying, no, I have something for you to write for your space. Like, we just bench ourselves before we even get started, because we don't feel like we measure up. 
So I feel like that is a huge barrier to us living abundantly, which is part of why I started, she mentioned I started a podcast, which I haven't gotten to do as much in the last year, but I'm hoping, because I know there's lots of you I'd love to interview. Um, but I started this podcast co called Made for This because it was killing me that we live, like unless we have some giant platform, that we don't have any platform. Like if we don't have our name known all over the country, well then we may as well not even do anything, right? Which is just, it's just not true and it robs the world of the gifts that God has given you to share with the world and to inspire his people. So I just hope that we can, um, one of the takeaways tonight, that we can combat that by taking all of that before the Lord and saying, okay, I know I have it in me to compare myself to others. I know that I can turn inward and focus on my perceived lack. Help me, help me to be free of that. Ask God for a bigger view of himself in your life so you can see him for who he is and you can see what he is offering you to go live in his power. It says in Second um, Chronicles that it says, I think it's 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless strong support. I used to focus on that. I'm such a rule follower, so I used to read that verse and focus, oh, I got to live right, which we do, yes. But I skipped the part where it says he wants to give me strong support. He wants to give you strong support as you try to follow him. He's looking for people who are serving him to give strong support to. We are not powerless. We have his resurrection power at work in our life, and I want us to just chase after that to live in that and to live in that space rather than a perceived sense of lack. So that brings us, if we've, I'm sure there's many, many other barriers and you can do a little inventory of your own heart of what maybe possible barriers are to living in God's abundance, but those are a few that I know I can identify with. So then what is our true identity? If, if I'm saying, let's, let's not live in what we're not, let's go live in what we are, well then what is that according to God's word? What does he say? He says, our true identity, that we are daughters of the king. We, it says in Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. In John, 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You're daughters of the King. We can live like that. We can live knowing that in our heart, that we are his kids. By extension, we are loved. John three sixteen. you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. We're worth a son coming to earth to die for us to our Father. We are so loved. We're loved more than we will ever know on this earth. I, I think it would be so transformative if we could just keep knowing a little bit more the depth of God's love for us and receive that. We are equipped. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It says right here in the book that you have all that you need from him to live fully empowered by him in your spaces. We, well, we're empowered. That's the next verse, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness. Ephesians 1.19 through 21. This is one of my very favorite verses. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Resurrection power. I don't know about you, that gets me so excited. Because it's not me, it's him. He just wants to give us and work through us with his might and his power so that we can go make a difference in the world for his glory and for the good of others. So how can we live with a sense of lack when we have that? We're heirs. Ephesians 1.18 says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? Life's hard. We have a hope. We, we have a hope that is secure when we've chosen to receive him as our savior. A hope of heaven and a hope of reigning with him someday. We're known. We feel like we're not known sometimes. We feel like if people knew us, maybe they would create distance. But you are known by your father and you are loved deeply in that place of being known. Fully known. No secrets. He knows everything. And it says, Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. We're a light in darkness. I feel like there's a lot of darkness that we encounter in our world. And we're a light. We get to be a light in those spaces. Matthew 5, you're a light of the world. A city on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a light, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Not somebody else's light, who we compared ourselves to, our light. Let the light that's in us from the power of the Spirit shine. In our, in our workspaces, in our homes, in our relationships. We are created with a purpose, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared him beforehand that we should walk in them. One of my favorite verses, I forgot to look it up in Acts, it, it's, it says David, when he had accomplished God's purpose for him in his generation, he fell asleep. And I think, wouldn't that be awesome if we could live like that? God's got stuff for me to do. Not, not by my strength, but by his strength. And then he can say, well, I did all I wanted to do, and now you can fall asleep. I would love that. I just think that's so exciting. We are forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ladies, I want you to hear me on this. Shame is not of the Lord. It's not. You are forgiven. When you have received Christ as your Savior, you are forgiven. Conviction is of the Lord, sure. The Holy Spirit is sent out to convict us of our sin, to set us on a right path before him. Shame pushes us into hiding. Shame makes us feel disqualified. Shame makes us feel like we, we don't measure up, like we don't have what it takes to go live in a way that, it, that God can use us. Shame isolates us from relationship. You're forgiven. When you, you're forgiven. You have his limitless grace in your life. So if you think I could never serve because of this thing that I did over here or this thing that's in my past, it's just not true. And that's another tool of the enemy to keep you immobilized from using your gifts in the way that God has called you to. So if you find yourself battling shame, go to him. Go to God's word. Go to your people. Say, I'm struggling with this. Have them pray with you because we're not meant to live in hiding because of shame. That's not of the Lord. We're sent 
Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's not even an exhaustive list. That's a pretty good one. Known, loved, empowered with resurrection power, heirs to the promise, loved, forgiven, all of those things. That's a huge list, and there's more that we can find when we read scripture. So this is, a, again, this is a huge life that we've been called to in Christ. And again, not huge in the terms of platform and numbers, but huge in the sense that we have this little blip on the timeline of history that we're invited to live in resurrection power to make a difference in the people that we've been put in, in contact with. When we, so back to our perspective, when we allow ourselves to take an inventory of our heart and to say, okay, what, where has maybe my perspective gotten off? If you encounter all those big feelings of insecurity and doubt and you pull at those threads, what if we could then, little by little, reorient our identity right back where it is the only safe place for it, which is fully, fully rooted in Christ? Then, we would not live with a sense of lack. We would not feel that we have to compare ourselves because we are tethered to the one who is limitless and matchless, and that person is alive and working in us and dwells with us. Um, we wouldn't have to feel defeated because we have his resurrection power. This is huge, this invitation. Um, Jesus himself says in John fifteen five, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You will bear... If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. I looked that up in the original language. You want to know what it means? Nothing. <laughs> That's what it means. We can do nothing without him. So we could go work our little tails off without his strength and do nothing. Or we could take his free gift, stay tethered to him through his word, through prayer, through relationship with him. Be stay so fully tethered to his vine that has all of those things power, presence, the, the desire to use us, to gift us, then through him we can bear much fruit. I choose, I choose to strive after that. I'm just on this journey with you. I haven't arrived at this, but that is definitely the path that I would rather be on than the one that accomplishes no thing, <laughs> so, for what it's worth. Um, okay, so, so now what? If, I mean, I think all of us probably conceptually would say, yes, I would like to live fully rooted in God's power and presence. Yes, please. So how do we do that? Because again, there's going to be so many forces that come against you to undermine that. The enemy does not want us, 300 plus women, he does not want us to go out from this space feeling empowered and rooted in Christ, determined that we are going to pull at those things that are keeping us from living that way and root that out and go live in a different way in the new year. He doesn't want that. So we're going to have a lot of things that are obstacles to us living that way. So let's think about that as how we walked into the room tonight. So if, what if, through doing that hard work, we were able then to walk into a space like this next year and, and have it look so much different. What if for those of us that came in feeling discouraged, defeated, depleted, a sense of lack, comparing ourselves, what if we could come in next year rooted in who God is, living from his abundance, 
having done the hard work of rooting out those things that keep us from living that way. When we have, I think the other problem when we, when we turn and focus on our lack is it focuses us all on ourself. And we don't feel like that when we're doing that. We don't feel like we're self-focused. But that's what it is. It turns us in to ourselves. So what if next year we walk into this space not focused on ourselves, but focused on the one who made us, focused on the one who gifts us and empowers us and strengthens us? Because think of how differently that would translate to how we come in here tonight, where we can then look at the room, not from where we feel like we don't measure up, but for what, what can God do in this space tonight? What can he teach me? How can I be a blessing? How can I pray with someone who is going through a hard time? How can I link arms with someone and cheer them on to the next thing that God has for them, right? It opens our eyes to this whole world out there that we deprive ourselves of if we focus inward, right? I just think, I think this would be transformative in our space, spaces that God has put us in. And this is where I get, I get so excited about a room like this, because think about if all of us were to able to head back into our families, our marriages, our workspaces, living tethered, having our identity solely grounded in Christ, not needing the opinion of others to determine our worth, not letting those lesser voices have the final say on who we are. My husband uh, read me a quote from uh, John Stott in his book, Radical Disciple, and it says, he's talking about Christ-likeness, and he says, I've spoken much about Christ-likeness, but how is it possible for us? In our own strength, it's clearly not. But God has given us his Holy Spirit to enable us to fulfill his purpose. William Temple used to illustrate the point from Shakespeare in this way. He said, it's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, but I can't. And it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that, Jesus could do it, but I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live with me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. God's purpose is to make us like Christ. And God's way to fulfill, and God's way is to fill us with his Holy Spirit. We don't have to do this on our own. We have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to help us with this. We have each other. We can cheer each other on in this journey. Um, 2020 vision is particularly impactful to me because both of my children have genetic vision disorders that they have had since birth and will have for the rest of their life. And, and they have not chosen to see themselves as lacking because of their disability. They have chosen to see their disability as an opportunity over and over and over again. And they inspire my husband and I every day with that perspective, right? And we can do that too in our spiritual lives. We can choose to take that next right step, whatever it is for you, whatever it is that maybe you've had triggered in you tonight, like, oh yeah, I, I deal with all of those big real feelings Maybe I need to start doing some work there and pulling at those threads. Um, we can choose that for ourselves. And then over time, God can begin to do that great work. So my challenge as we wrap up tonight, and again, thank you so much for the privilege of being here, but my challenge is that we truly seek to tether ourselves to Christ, to abide in him, to soak in his love, to soak in his word, to 
to link arms with one another, to find community so that other people can help us see maybe where our perspective has gotten off um, over time, that we can, we can go into 2020 mindful of the intentionality that it takes to live an abundant life, and yet the joy that there is offered to us in living an abundant life and living in, his, in God's gifting and, and think of what we could do. I believe that every single one of us in here has the potential by God's power and presence to be a world changer. You can. You can be that light in the darkness. You can go and live so that a life that is so winsome. Have you ever met someone that's just winsome? Because they, they know who they are. And I want all of us to be able to live that way because we are all given that invitation by God's grace to come in and live that winsome life that's peaceful, that is grounded, and that, that has the one voice that we need to hear is the loudest voice in our ears. So that is my challenge tonight. Can we do that? Can we just take that next step as we go home tonight, just that next thing that God has for us as we head back into our homes, in our workspaces, in our friendships, and head into 2020 determined to take background. Amen? Amen. Thank you.